0: Neatness, it's a good quality. You'll make someone a fine wife. You are Dr. Haywood Floyd? Who the hell are you? I'm Marseyevich. I'm here to talk about your problem. Really? What problem is that? Whatever it
1: is, it ain't local. Position? I checked into somewhere in Lira, I think. Uh,
0: Vega? Can't be. It's only 26 light years away.
1: I want all these people out of here. You're having sent this announcement all over the world may well constitute a breach of national security. Boy,
2: this isn't a person-to-person call. This may be an announcement to get our attention.
1: The president's called an emergency meeting. You know those interlaced frames that we thought were noise? This has structure. I'm going to recommend to the president that we militarize this project immediately.
2: There's no reason to believe that their intentions are hostile.
1: There's no proof of that. Why don't they just speak English?
2: Mathematics is the only truly universal language center. Buried within the message itself is the key to decoding it.
1: Those look like engineering schematics, almost like blueprints.
2: It is our belief that the message contains instructions for building some kind of machine. A machine? It might turn out to be some kind of a
1: transport transport the fact is you don't know what it does it could be anything
2: nobody's saying this is dangerous they're gonna build it who gets to go
1: it's complicated Ellie
2: who gets to go
0: by doing this you're willing to risk your life you're willing to give your life and die for this why stars Can I open my eyes yes yes with your assistance
3: Welcome to voice
2: print identification.
0: It's
1: 2001, a space Odyssey. I'm Wes. I'm Brad.
2: A fabulous bird reborn from
0: the
1: ashes of its earlier life. Max, nice. how do you say chicken? Thank you. You are cleared
0: through voice print identification.
2: Yes. I agree. Open the pod bay
0: doors, please, Hal.
4: Oh my God! It's full of stars. 2010. You
1: would in contact, dude. So. You remember when I was mentioning the color of discovery? Yes. I was just like, well, maybe radiation or something like that, and then it wasn't. It was sulfur. Yeah. Well, when we get to that point, it's even crazier, and I hope that this all meshes together. But what I'm trying to put together right now Is is the fact that Io actually has volcanism, and they've detected. Ejecta of sulfur and, and different compounds out of its small atmosphere or whatever, which could potentially, you know, completely coat the whole thing. And then Arthur C. Clarke actually name drops J.R.R. R. Tolkien and describing Io as Mordor. So there's actually like the possibility of Arthur C. Clarke writing in this volcanic ash and sulfur coating discovery. Based off of the description of Tolkien's Mordor. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's insane. Pretty cool. But we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. Wow. Just, and there's also some really cool Arthur C. Clarke, C.S. Lewis correspondents. They were pen pals. Apparently him and Tolkien and Lewis used to hang out together. Whoa, whoa,
4: whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. We, Arthur C. Clarke was never
1: mentioned in this conversation. Arthur
4: C. Clarke! Now, I'm sure he wasn't a, a member of the club with the the Oxbridge faculty sharing their fantasies with each other. Or was he? Oh, because that was oh. in England in the
1: 50s. And we have a, a new piece of literature that we need to purchase. Oh, my God. Okay, mm. well, at least the paperback is pretty cheap. Okay, so ch- check out this... Title, From Narnia to a Space Odyssey, The War of Ideas Between Arthur C. Clarke and C.S. Lewis. Which sounds incredible, but it actually has a lot of correspondence between Clarke and Lewis. Wow. Between uh, 43 and 54. Dude. Whoa. Can you imagine? What? Uh, what? (laughs) Those conversations, because Clarke was obviously not into any kind of theism or religion, and C.S. Lewis just permeates his work with very very heady ideology and uh <laughs> he's not a not necessarily a fan of all of clark's views and they have at it but apparently they were good pals fascinating there's even after lewis's passing arthur kind of writes to him posthumously uh, i guess mm-hmm. i don't just kind of shouting him out to the stars like wherever really? you are my friend wow um, but yeah 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 i think it's also in this but when you check it out apparently the hardback is 60 dollars, <laughs> but the paperback's only 13 so i'll well, check that one out it sounds Whoa. incredible it highlights the potential dangers of the rise of technology <laughs> oh my god well <laughs> yeah another little something that we'll have to grab and i kept like i said i thought i had a handle and i keep making all these little connections. I can't even remember how that came up. It was because of something, you know, I was looking into something about IO mm. and that led me to that. Then about discovery, you know, well, it doesn't say specifically, but the fact that it was covered in sulfur, that makes sense. Yeah. Something incredible is happening up there. Discovery is being pulled towards IO or pushed away from Jupiter, whichever.
0: The time has come to put ourselves in an orbit around IO.
4: They, they've kind of they quarantined this here on the Leonov. They've put us in a little was Air it a room? Would you, could you classify this as a room? No. <laughs> it's far
1: too small to be called a room okay
4: <laughs> it wasn't just me I'm not this just is a janitorial closet okay. at best <laughs> i don't know how you, what you call that in russian but it's what it is <laughs> but we booked our flight we're here aboard the Alexei Leonov. now that it's a commercial vessel we
1: got our press passes uh, fresh from the vending machine at Clavia's base <laughs> oh. of course the main thing is is that
4: we've we've packed our lunch because all that's here is basically trays full of borscht through a straw, and uh, nobody likes pureed
1: stroganoff. Forget about the pierogies; they just don't form up the same in space for some reason.
4: There's a kind of a, a, a matroska element to this ship. It definitely feels like every. Well, time... we're in the
1: smallest doll. If that's the case, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> We're the prize inside once you get to the very last one. (laughs) But this was the best we could get. And they had very little accommodation, but yeah, we were able to squeak on board.
4: And, And it's fine. The moral of the story is, you know, always read the fine print. Well, I
1: remember when... You were introduced to Dimitri, and <laughs> that first interaction did not oh, go so well. I'll remind you,
4: one of the most embarrassing things that's ever What was it to you me.
1: said, our feet are the same? <laughs>
4: apparently. <laughs> I was talking about our sweaters, but apparently my translation was a little off. He took offense because I have abnormally large and smelly
1: feet. We were fortunate enough to get a boarding pass on the Liana.
0: I thought you were going to call it the t off Yeah, we changed last month. People fall out of favor.
4: And we are en route. And we are wearing sweaters, believe me. (laughs) (laughs) Cable net. It is pretty chilly. I mean, Clavius is brisk at times, but our tolerance is not quite as hearty
1: as our friends in the Eastern side of things. And there weren't enough stasis pods for us to be put into suspended animation, so... We had to just kind of.
4: I'm not entirely <laughs> sure we're not in
1: suspended animation. It's like the woman in the cave. I think so. How long is that trip? How long is that trip? Okay, so you've got a window. This is like the poorest operating train station in the solar system. Yeah. So around two years, around six years. <laughs> and I'm guessing that's based on its position in its uh, solar orbit and the trajectory you'd have to take to get there, but be captured in Jupiter's gravity well and able to orbit. Wow. Mm. Definitely put me to sleep for that, please. How
0: do you feel? Ugh, like shit. That's about right. I have this terrible taste in my mouth. It takes about 12 hours, then it goes away.
4: You would
1: feel a film... In your mouth too wouldn't you what you would, would need be? so much food <laughs> is the problem the big problem so that way you're not really ingesting so much and now the the other problem is if you were in a coma for two years you would be atrophied oh to you... the point where you you would not i mean he has trouble like <laughs> roy Scheider, I thought bonked his head on the uh, little pod at first. Like when he first comes up, I'm like, oh, he just bonked his head. Nope, nope. He just he can't quite get that vertical momentum uh-huh. enough to sit up. And uh, you know they end up helping him up. But yeah, no, you wouldn't be able to move. <laughs> it would be like that scene and kill Bill. Yeah, <laughs> where she's like trying to will her extremities to, into action. And it would. It, it would just take so long to rebuild muscle.
4: If they put you into just a light sleep where you can just be tossed and turned, because I'm a tosser, I turn a lot in my
1: sleep. That'll yeah. keep your muscles going. Yeah. Well, the big problem with all these pods, is I don't know if they can accommodate a side sleeper.
4: Mm, and I, I'm
1: pretty much a dedicated side sleeper. Yeah. I, I sleep in like the uh, <laughs> the tiger claw position. I don't know if you know, know that from Street Fighter Two. It's <laughs> basically like one leg hyper extended out and one knee shoved up into my chest for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could see
4: that being your I default
1: <laughs> sleeping
5: position. <laughs>
4: With a katana behind (laughs) your hand, hand, (laughs) waiting. Bodies are in this uh, cramped spaceship our, corridor. Our corporeal, but our, our corporeal forms are in these cramped quarters. Our minds are elsewhere, in the desert.
0: Uh, this is very bad for my asthma. You think you could meet me halfway? Maybe. Doesn't take a very smart man to appreciate the risk that I'm taking by being here with you, Doctor Floyd. And you are a smart man.
4: We're beginning our adventure 2010 at Sunrise at the Very Large Array with Dr. Floyd attending to a giant radio dish.
1: This is an incredibly important scientific instrument based in New Mexico. And what we're going to discover about it is how crazy I am. (laughs) because there's so many facets of this device that are just interesting and (laughs) absolutely mind-bendingly awesome.
2: Much of what we know about our universe comes from large optical telescopes, which capture visible light just as our eyes do. Like our eyes, these telescopes can only see the stars at night. Dawn brings an end to observations and to this optical astronomer's workday. But there are other telescopes, built on a more massive scale, that work around the clock, gathering invisible light from space. The Carl G. Jansky Very Large Array. This vast collection of dishes is among the most accomplished telescopes in history and one of the most recognizable.
1: Indeed, we're talking about the Very Large Array in Socorro, New Mexico. You ever been to New Mexico? I've never been. Gorgeous. I've had such a limited experience out west, and I don't even know uh, if you could count Dallas, Texas necessarily, uh, but... That was kind of the first experience I had anywhere west of the Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And then I also got to spend a little bit of time in California for a business trip. I didn't really get to vacation or anything like that, but haven't been to the deserts of our beautiful nation. I'd love to go. Driving it is
4: such a magnified It's a... It, it's it's weird to be around so much majesty. That's also so far away at the same time. Yeah, you, you're 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 surrounded by it, but you're not really coming into contact with it except smaller.
1: I'm I'm sure mountains. it gives it such a lonely and probably a large feeling of solitude, and, as well as majesty. I mean, I'm I'm sure the deserts absolutely breathtaking out there. And
4: community, too, because when you get to a little town, you check into the hotel, and you realize there's maybe like 50 people out that night because there's maybe 5,300 people in the village. Then you walk the town before you go to bed that night, and in sunset, you can just see everything, and then all around you, nothing, yeah. forever. wow. So you see the need <laughs> for everyone to cling to each other. <laughs> sure. <laughs> because there's nothing And no life in between those little clusters of high tribalism, electricity, and humanity.
1: Yeah, I I couldn't imagine. I mean, this is a population of around 8,000 people to have such a high demand working science instrument in that area and such a low population, and also the lure of Hollywood and media to shoot this location you've got the potential of it being like a a boom city but it's really kind of it's more like burning man Mm -hmm. you know they have these temporary towns that pop up overnight i mean they have to accommodate so many people in such a short amount of time and you end up with these temporary cities for the production team and for all the support staff to live in while they take the time to to make these projects. And when they pack
4: up and drive away, the immense
1: quiet,
4: it's so meditative. The minute you stop doing anything and all you can hear is maybe one car driving off. You think about the desert being used for telescopes all the time because of course, yeah,
1: there's no light pollution around you, that's perfect. The atmosphere there is so dry, the very low humidity also allows for more data incoming from these antenna. It it really helps prevent any kind of noise being introduced into the sets of information Mm -hmm. that they're receiving.
2: Set within the natural beauty of an ancient lake bed, these dishes tower like sentinels over the desert floor. The very large array didn't get its name by accident. Each of its antennas stands 94 feet tall, with dishes stretching 25 meters or 82 feet in diameter. They are spread across the desert in a Y pattern, up to 13 miles in each direction. Combined, they form a single giant telescope larger than all of New York City. This massive synchronized system monitors the cosmos day and night. The VLA's enormous size is necessary for the unique kind of light that it observes. Our eyes see only a small sliver of the light that reaches us from space. But objects throughout the universe emit light across the entire electromagnetic spectrum. At the long wavelength end of the spectrum is radio light. Because its wavelengths are so long, Making sharp pictures from radio light requires a telescope that is miles wide.
1: Now, the Very Large Array is a radio telescope. Now, radio astronomy really came out of pre- and post-World War II technology. I think the original intent was to help kind of map the visible sky through using like these large arrays of radio antenna, but the original concept of it predated it by 40 years almost.
4: Was the initiative consistent all the way through? Or or did it change? It changed
1: and there there seems to be several phases of it. So what's really interesting is how modular the system is and how they've been able to upgrade it over the years because a lot of the technology that originally went into it was from the early 70s, even though it came online in 81. Um, So there have been multiple initiatives to upgrade the scientific instruments within them, and that's also helped them have a wider spectrum of scientific applications that they can be used for. And modular only begins to describe it because not only have the instruments been able to be upgraded over the years, but they can physically move. So much like how you can focus a camera and change the focal length of it by drawing the lenses in and out of kind of like exposure length or whatever, what they can do with the very large array is actually move these antenna via these rail systems and there's this giant diesel vehicle much like the ones that they use to load rockets onto launch pads that can actually take them spread them out bring them in and also move them from pad to pad to do maintenance or repairs really? technically there are 28 of these antenna. They use 27 at a time and rotate one of them out for maintenance, repairs, and upgrades. So they've always got a spare, which is nice. Hmm. Apparently, time on this machine, it's lottery-based, much like the Hubble Space Telescope. Good luck. Uh Good luck getting to use it at all. I mean, it is just super high demand.
6: My name is Amy Rines. I'm 36 years old, and I'm an astronomer. Every time I come out here, I'm surprised at the effect that it has on me. You're sort of out in the middle of nowhere, yet there's this contrast with all the technology, with these amazing dishes, and all the work that goes into making the science happen.
0: Are you Amy? Yep. I'm Jean. Are you ready to go up on the antenna?
6: I'm fascinated by the early stages of galaxy evolution, back when the universe was in its infancy. And I just want to know, you know, where does it all come from? How does it all work? And what's our place? It's hard to study these early galaxies because they're so far away. By studying dwarf galaxies today, we hope to try to gain insight into the formation of the first massive black holes. And this is the kind of work that would not have been done previously and cannot be done with any other instrument on Earth. It's just incredible to be out here.
4: It's pretty cool, huh?
1: This year, there's going to be a huge upgrade to the VLA. We're talking like a multi-billion dollar upgrade. Really? They're going up to like 230 antenna. What? (laughs) And like putting it all across the
6: states. (laughs) What?
1: It's going to be an insane, insane upgrade. There's, (laughs) there's, um, There's a news video that they went to the University of New Mexico to talk to them about it, apparently. Back in September... Of uh, 2023, I think this got approved, and they're going to start moving on it. Whoa, so this is happening fast. This is happening fast. This is happening fast. (laughs) Uh, But I'm just like, oh, it's just, there's so
3: much. Sprawling across the Socorro County Desert is one of science's most treasured instruments.
5: It's a gem just right here in our own backyard. The
3: Very Large Array, or VLA.
5: Astronomers all over the planet literally want to use it.
3: Made up of 27 large antennas. The whole antenna
5: weighs 230 tons.
3: Patricia Henning, director of the VLA, says the radio telescope helps us explore some of life's most fascinating questions.
5: People have always been interested in the sky, right? As long as there have been people. We've been looking at the sky and wondering what's up there and what's our place in it. Each of these antennas collects naturally occurring energy from things in the universe like stars and the sun and galaxies and all sorts of different things,
3: helping us learn about the universe. But the facility is ready for an upgrade.
5: The VLA is fantastic and it's still doing great science. It is over 40 years old now. We need to look into the future, uh, and and there's so much more we can do with a with a you know upgraded facilities.
3: And plans are underway for what's called the next generation VLA. The antennas will have a new design, and instead of 27, there will be 263 of them.
5: So it'll act like one huge telescope with elements spread out all the way across the U.S.
3: With antennas concentrated in New Mexico, but also spread across the U.S. from Hawaii, all the way to New Hampshire.
5: It'll have 10 times the sensitivity of the VLA and give us 10 times sharper images on the sky.
3: The more than $2 billion project is in the design phase, with the design of the new antenna just getting approved, clearing the way for a prototype to be built. They're expecting the NG VLA to bring more tourists and school classes, hoping it will excite New Mexicans.
5: I hope they will come and visit. I hope it'll be part of their education.
3: While opening new doors, for science
5: really looking at you know more into the formation of stars and planets also studying pulsars in in great depth and so now we're going to be able to study with a a a very modern instrument looking in in new ways uh getting into the details about how do stars really form it's going to be great for that
3: Annalisa pardo care qe news 13.
1: yeah as far as original intentions we're talking about looking at large celestial bodies. Mm-hmm. They were also detecting things like explosions and nebula that were eventually identified as coming from spatial bodies like quasars, and mm. you know, seeing black holes through the radio telemetry. And they were also able to look at planets and and lunar physiological makeups and also 2010 the year we make contact and it's at the vla and then contact and it's at the vla <laughs> wait what
4: <laughs> and we know that carl sagan consulted with clark and kubrick yes we talked about that we before. talked
1: about his involvement already so
4: what in the world
1: was going on
4: in contact wasn't I think he he was vocal about the fact that Contact was very much a, a response it, to 2001
1: and the human his novel, side of it. yes, because I believe his novel came out in 84. No way, really? No way, no way.
4: 85. 85. Wow. Which makes sense. Okay, so because this is the 40th anniversary of 2010, the year we made contact. Peter Himes was going to direct The Star Chamber with Michael Douglas and Michael Douglas suggested him as maybe the director for a movie he was producing called Romancing the Stone Peter Hyams said to Michael Douglas you should star in this. Convinced Michael Douglas of course to be the star of what was at that point the biggest hit of his career as an actor which was then directed by Robert Zemeckis who directed Contact.
1: Oh my goodness.
2: Somebody get a TV monitor. All right, patch the recording into the image processor. You want the new data? Uh, yeah, the new frequency, the one we just recorded.
1: Hi, David, would you explain this to me, please?
5: One well, with the prime, there's another signal looks like a TV transmission.
2: We're hot. All right, do me a favor go get the blinds. It oh, has a lot of glare. You're patched in. All right, it's definitely an image. Let's try and stabilize it. What do you make of that, fish?
0: It's almost like they're two different interlaced frames. They're framing one.
1: Ah, it's just noise. Trying frame two. Ah, I've got an offset carrier here. I think it's audio. Plug it
2: in. Plug it in. After six hours, the telescope moves on to a different target. But the secrets from the distant galaxy have been saved on a microscopic scale. Like messages in an ancient language, they must be deciphered.
6: Our team just finished reducing all of our new data and we have some spectacular images now, and we can do a very detailed comparison between the optical data from the Hubble Space Telescope, the infrared data from the Hubble Space Telescope, and now the radio data from the VLA.
1: The evolution of it is really interesting. Yeah. It's like they do a module upgrade. It's funny because it's mentioned in the contact analysis. That At that time, it wasn't really equipped to mm-hmm. do any kind of searching for extraterrestrial signals because of the way it was set up. it was actually it was able to target things like clusters or you know galaxies, planets, mm-hmm. you know down to granular objects, yeah, and it wasn't really good at doing sky survey well lo and behold they do this upgrade and all of a sudden that's one of its like big things is they want to map the sky Mm. so it is now capable of doing like these large spatial surveys and would be actually a good instrument for it because i was kind of confused at first by reading that but that was back in 1996 so now with this new expansion that they're working on, I, I can't even imagine how capable it's going to be. And from the sound of it, it looks like they're wanting to put stations all across the U.S. to in- increase its ability. So. Can you imagine? No. I mean, that ex-
4: literally is an exponential increase in yeah. possibilities it could come from. Yeah.
1: This I mean, going from, <laughs> like... 27 to over 200 that's that is insane and the geographical spread too right adds so many possibilities i mm. think one of the big upgrades they did was in the way that the data was being processed and it was able to compensate for all kinds of different interference and mm. things like that and they were able to get cleaner data in really and that really helped on the processing end of it when yeah. they were trying to map plot points and, and well, do any kind of astronomical compositional surveys and, and things like that.
2: Now, with antennas fully spread out, the VLA is finally ready to observe the dwarf galaxy Henize 210. The world's most storied radio telescope prepares to once again open its eyes on the universe.
1: Copy that, we're getting ready to run the C-band observation.
2: The antenna's turned toward the southern sky. In the darkness above, the light that left Henize 210 some 30 million years ago finally approaches our Earth. It has traveled more than 150 quintillion miles and persevered through gas and dust to share its secret. And for a few short hours, two distant realms share a fleeting connection. An entirely new catalog of human knowledge is captured and recorded.
0: Why don't you just try saying what's on your mind? (laughs) I want to play a game with you, Dr. Floyd. I don't have any time for games. This is a good game. It's called The Truth. For two minutes i will tell only the truth and so will you two minutes two minutes make it a minute and a half one minute and three quarters
1: you start what i'm curious about is what was dr floyd doing on the array like he's obviously racked with guilt over the loss of his crew And he's wanting to get answers. And I'm trying to think of, at the time, are they taking the VLA at its face value of what it's capable of? Mm -hmm. then, Or is it like in contact where they've extrapolated the power of this device and they know that eventually it'll be capable of doing much more than it currently is? Predicting it a year like
4: say 2010 (laughs) so if if 1984 there i I think you're right i think the latter i think that we're presuming here that this is taking place with this brand new crazy futuristic technology
1: that's been enhanced even more in the years to come and he's using like a personal terminal to access this thing and is it the same one that he takes to the beach with him or is it a different one? I
4: don't know. It
1: might be. I have to clock that again. Yeah, it's just odd that he would be out there. Like, is he not supposed to be out there, or is like, like, is he mainlining information from <laughs> from the physical unit so he doesn't have to ask anybody for it?
4: I always figured that he was out there doing maintenance. Actually, I always figured that, that he that was, just was his job. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. the professor of astronomy at the local university is in charge of checking out the observatory and making sure that everything's working if he's going to open it up for visitors yeah and if uh dr floyd's got classes this week you know part of it's upkeep of the equipment oh man
1: so supposing that dr floyd's working on the vla in socorro new mexico and he has dolphins in his house
4: and he lives by the seashore.
1: So right? what what's that commute like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Oh. or are we talking about an even more disastrous climate change prediction than we even have today <laughs> oh yeah the, the shoreline ends <laughs> at albuquerque
1: okay so yeah let's uh let's do the math here <laughs> let's say corpus christi i think that's the closest dolphin inhabited <laughs> area <laughs> All right, Dr. Floyd, your carbon tax is about to be crazy, my <laughs> friend. <laughs> yeah, it's 884 miles away. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so he's either flying, <laughs> which, um, yeah, how long is that flight? It's a four hour flight. Hey, all oh right. My God.
4: So he's just there to, you know, dust off a few things and then turn yeah, around and go. Yeah, home. yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you got to get back to c lab to <laughs> make sure everything's okay yeah. with. <laughs>
6: <laughs> oh, I guess man. I should. Yeah, the, we The
1: cephalopod, or not the cephalopod, the cetacean. The. Cetacea- the <laughs> <laughs> Cetaceans are whales and. Dolphins, oh, okay. Right? right? Oh. Is that right?
2: They're hungry. Then you go in the pool and tell them to come to the table. i have got spaghetti here. I don't want it to go to waste. Tomorrow. What
1: are you going to talk about?
6: Dolphins. Fish again. They're not fish. And yes, that's what we study.
2: Oh.
1: Why? Eat.
0: Ilyanov will reach discovery almost a year before you people are ready. My government feels it's very important that we should get there first. It's a distinction that will look splendid on the front page of Proud What other value it has, I don't know. One minute ten. Why are you telling me this? Because there are things we need to know. Otherwise, the same thing that you let happen to your people up there could happen to ours. And we would accomplish nothing.
4: You know, I always assumed, not knowing growing up where the very large array was or or anything really bad, that was all taking place in California or Texas or something. Yeah. And I'm sure that was the assumption most of the audience would make. And as a production designer and a location manager and things, that's what you... It would make sense. You just find something who's going to know. You've got a terrain just like that you see in Star Trek all the time so here's my question because in my own head canon i had always assumed that this was one place and that because they said he was chancellor of the observatory the russian scientist played by dana elkar was visiting him at the university yeah secretly yeah and that this was some remote base that he they really had, had to get out there the i mean there, <laughs> university.
1: there, there wasn't a, an airport anywhere yeah nearby. he had to really come in
4: <laughs> So is, it, is Arthur C. Clarke so insanely predictive that what he's actually describing is the University of New Mexico once this new expansion is completed of the VLA to where they have like their own twenty-eight? It has to be. <laughs> it's just, it's just accessible by the department the college. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how I thought of it in my head watching it as a teenager. Yeah. Just kind of assuming that. So... Do we think that that he's at a government or a school facility? It seem,
1: yeah, it seems like a
4: university. It seems like a campus to me. Because then he goes into his computer lab, and it looks like
1: a college computer lab, doesn't it? Looks like yeah, he could give a lecture at any point, at any given time. Yeah, there are motivational posters on the wall that said, hang in there.
4: And there's also the great um, '80s and '90s computer lab. High fluorescent, yet dim lights, and lots of windows.
1: Yeah, so you can't see any of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Nothing but glare. <laughs> those terminals are just black. <laughs> yeah. They look like IMAX, don't they? Like prototypical 98,
4: 1998, 1998, ninety nine IMAX. It has that perfect all-in-one chunky design. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. In white plastic with kind of colored ledges on the sides like yours.
6: Mm-hmm. You like your Macintosh better than me. Don't you, Dave? Dave. Can you hear me, Dave?
1: Yeah, so I mean it just looks like a what you would typically see in a university computer lab. Mm-hmm. I, I would totally believe this to be the uh, campus of University of New Mexico. Yeah. Um, and if it were a government facility, I don't think Dmitri would have been able to roll in with his black true. Cadillac. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, especially as heated as it already was with their tension in Central America. Was, and the naval blockade mm-hmm. situation kind of like coming to a head. I couldn't imagine it being easy for someone from communist Russia to be able to just easily get into the States and get to a university like that.
0: I just read your final report on what happened to Discovery. You left a good number of loose edges. Ends. Loose ends, yes, thank you. A good number of questions that remain unanswered. You just read that report? Took you this long to steal our secrets? How long does it take for your people to steal ours? Same amount of time.
4: This is the period before Glasnost, before Gorbachev really opened things up, mm-hmm. this is actually a period where Reagan is escalating the rhetoric a little bit. I think, especially in the election year, which may or may not have something to do with the NCA chairman's quote about President invoking Lincoln. Um, really, I don't know. I wonder about that. I wonder if that was timely in the debate for this presidential year i wish i could bring you better
0: news it's getting worse here the president addressed a joint session of congress yesterday he said he wasn't going to
4: back down on the blockade i don't know which was scary in the speech over congress cheering him. he evoked lincoln whatever president is going to get us into serious trouble they always
1: use lincoln an interesting side note mgm published this in english and russian hmm so i wonder if this was within the venn diagram of russian interest as far as media went and i i think i could be wrong but in the early 80s russian film was a little more liberal or was able to be a little Mm. more liberal just because of the modernization of media really just Mm -hmm. just being able to to spread it around i think music i think that was true as well Tarkovsky gets some veiled criticism
4: out in his work.
0: Ilyanov will reach discovery almost a year before you people are ready. My government feels it's very important that we should get there first. It's a distinction that will look splendid on the front page of Pravda. What other value it has, I don't know. One minute 10. Why are you telling me this? Because there are things we need to know. Otherwise the same thing that you let happen to your people up there could happen to ours and we would accomplish nothing.
4: So the Russians are a year ahead at the start of this. And he says to check the orbit of discovery. Do you think getting to discovery was maybe the new
1: space race almost at this point, most definitely, but there was more than glory to claim here. There was the power of the monolith Mm -hmm. at stake or i guess power of the knowing the pandora's box of the monolith really i mean um you you don't want your rival to get to this potentially cataclysmic and also you know potentially powerful weapon that it could have been used as i mean it was able to restart Jupiter has a star, so <laughs> I can't imagine what kind of megatonnage, as far yeah, as right. explosive capability, it, it may have had.
4: So the the Neutron Star Interior Composition Explorer is an X-ray observatory that studies neutron stars, black holes, and other phenomena from its home aboard the International Space Station. Oh. It's actually an external payload attached. NICER also demonstrated the use of galactic pulsars as navigational beacons for future deep space exploration missions. Well, on Valentine's Day, NASA telescopes find new clues about mysterious deep space signals. Using two of the agency's X-ray telescopes, researchers were able to zoom in on a dead star's erratic behavior as it released a bright, brief burst of radio waves. and an ejection that would have caused its rotation to slow, what's causing mysterious bursts of radio waves from deep space? Two NASA X-ray telescopes recently observed this fast radio burst minutes before and after it occurred, which is an unprecedented view, setting scientists on a path to better understand these extreme radio events. Mm. This is a NASA.gov press release. Mm. While they only last a fraction of a second, fast radio bursts can release about as much energy as the sun does in a year. Because the bursts are so brief, it's often hard to pinpoint where they come from. And before 2020, those that were traced outside to their source originated outside our own galaxy, too far away for astronomers to see what created them. Then a fast radio burst erupted in Earth's home galaxy, originating from an extremely dense object called a magnetar, the collapsed remains of an exploded star. In October 2022, the same magnetar, called SGR1935 plus 2154, catchy name, produced another fast radio burst, this one studied in detail by NICER. NASA's neutron star interior composition explorer aboard the ISS and the new star nuclear spectroscopic telescope array in low-earth orbit These telescopes observed the magnetar for hours catching a glimpse of what happened to the surface of the source object and its immediate surroundings before and after
1: the radio burst This is like a in a This is like Tycho going blasting Yeah,
4: <laughs> it's really interesting like one factor might be that the exterior of the magnetar is solid and the high density Crushes the interior into a state called a superfluid, and when they get out of sync, it's like water sloshing around inside a spinning fishbowl, and the fluid can deliver energy to the crust, and it emanates. There you go. the The density of this magnetar, a teaspoon there would weigh about eight billion tons. Wow, on Earth. jeez. <laughs> so to your point, what what are we dealing with? Like, what kind of Density. Yes. And
1: force. Yeah. There's already so much gravity from the mass of the uh, Jovian system.
2: With its expanded capabilities, the VLA promises to serve humanity into the next generation and beyond.
6: Let's count how many there are.
5: Yes, ma'am. There are twenty eight of the. Violets. Very good. There are twenty eight dishes or antennas. And on
2: this windswept plain in New Mexico, the seed of tomorrow's revelations is already being planted. As a new age looks up on the sky and wonders.
0: I believe all mankind has that innate desire to know the origins of his being.
6: Astronomers from all over the world want to use the VLA to uncover the secrets of the universe.
4: We are adding more and more to our understanding of the universe. You don't have to be a scientist to be thrilled by that.
6: We've always had the night sky to look at, to ask questions about and to wonder, why it looks the way it does.
5: Why is it that the Earth happens to be the place where humanity has grown up? What, what is special about that? And the only way you can
6: understand that is by looking at other stars, other solar systems.
0: The iron that's in your blood, the calcium that's in your teeth, all those things were made inside those stars.
4: The
6: good thing about astronomy is that it's not just something to make profit, but it's something that actually might lift the spirits of everyone.
1: You know, for me, astronomy has to be a part of any civilized society, like music or art.
6: But I think it's very important to be always asking questions. So I hope that coming to VLA inspires people to ask themselves questions.
1: it's just crazy no one else filmed at vla until i mean from 84 until 96 for a feature film i mean there were little things and i found a uh, production company that will let you shoot there for 10 grand a day i believe huh. you do have to be escorted by one of the uh in just to make sure you know no shenanigans so it is a staff chaperoned shooting experience, mm-hmm. I guess. But yeah, you can, wow. you can go to VLA and, and shoot your own production. And they even tout, like, as seen in Contact, Armageddon, Terminator Salvation, <laughs> <laughs> Independence Day. <laughs> the Bon Jovi thing really threw me for yeah. a little Yeah. <laughs> John Bovi. Transmitting from the Leonov. I'm Wes. And I'm Brad. Signing out.
6: Thank you.
1: Say goodbye.
0: Alright. Bye-bye.
4: Bye-bye. Goodbye,
6: Dr. Floyd. Goodbye.
1: <laughs> <laughs> does uh, uh, I